Well, amen. Let's give applause for our Lord Jesus Christ. Good to hear you worship. Turn your Bibles over to Psalms, Psalms chapter 23. And uh, man, I'm so glad to see you here. Uh, if you're new, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And uh, those who are watching online, we welcome you. And I normally don't do this, but um, you know, we, we have around 15 to 20 people watch live, you know. And uh, let's just make them feel welcome. Say hi to everyone there on the, on the cameras in the back. And uh, thank you for uh, watching. And I know some of you have family members in other states that watch, which is kind of neat. So good to have uh, you here. We're continuing our series uh, in Psalms 23, and we'll, we'll finish it up next Sunday. And, uh, and so excited to um, um, always focus and reflect on Psalms 23. Um, man, we have a lot going on here at, uh, here at Springboro, and I um, hope that you will pray and think on that ministry, LifeWise Academy, and uh, I know as a church, as we're working on budget, it's the budget time of year, we're working on putting that into the budget to support that. I mean, being able to give the gospel to kids who are in school, how awesome and neat is that? That's pretty, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Hope you'll pray about being involved in that. Psalms 23 and um, we are on verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Let's pray. Father, we come before you thankful. Thankful that you are my shepherd. And that God, as we walk, <clears throat> as we walk in this life, and we run into hardship, we run into difficulty, we run into unplanned events. I'm thankful that as a Christian, as a child of God, that your word promises that you were with me. That you don't leave us. You do not forsake us. You never promised we would not have difficulty. You did not promise that this life as a believer would always be easy. But you did promise to be with us. You did promise to uh, overflow our cup for those who will follow your lead. And then all the difficulties, even the unfair things that happen in our lives, you use as raw material to make it into a blessing in our lives. God, I thank you. And I pray that you'll give me the words to speak and the message in which you've had me prepare. And that our hearts and minds were open to your spirit. We love you, we praise you, and everyone said, <clears throat> amen. There's a um, certain people group, the nomadic Bedouin people in the Middle East, who are known for being excellent hosts. In fact, if you were in their home, they would serve you something to drink. And once your cup starts to get towards the bottom... They will refill it for you like a good host would. And they will continue to fill it as long as you're welcome there. If there comes a point in time where it's time for you to leave, they will stop filling it. <laughs> and that is a polite way of saying, hit the road, Jack. As well, though, as well, if, if they fill the cup until it overflows, 
It's also a way of them saying that all the resources in which I have, I will use to the best of my ability to bless you, to help you, to do what I need to do uh, to benefit you in your life. And as King David wrote Psalms 23, King David's life wasn't always easy. He was forgotten. And then he was chosen and anointed by God to be the next king. And he still had to deal with his best friend's father, who happened to be the king, at times running for his life. There's times in David's story, and here's the thing with the Bible, and this gets confused sometimes, that when you read the Bible, that the Bible is not always prescriptive, that you should do this, but it is descriptive. That's one of the things I love about the Bible, because it doesn't hide all the ugly stuff. And if, when you read about David's story, there is some ugliness in there. And it's not that the Bible is saying, hey, that's okay. It's saying, no, this is what happened. And that these people in the Bible are, are just like you and me, and that God used in a mighty way, and he wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use this, these, these broken vessels for his glory. And so maybe you think to yourself, or you came in this morning thinking, well, I don't know what God could ever do with me. I, I know how broken I am. I know how messed up I am. I know how ornery and mean I can be at times. And I don't know why God would want to use me. Well, welcome to the club, pal, because God loves to use people just like you and me, normal, everyday people for his glory, and he wants to use you. You see... As David's looking back, he's remembering the faithfulness of God. And God is faithful. He's thinking back of how God was with him through the uncertain times. How God was with him during the good times. The times of plenty. And the times in which he was afraid. Which he depended upon the Lord to fight some of his battles for him. To comfort him. David lost, he also lost children, some to rebellion, trying to overthrow a kingdom in which God had called him to lead. Some of that was even David's own fault. The Bible is pretty descriptive about his sin and the punishment for his sin. His times of leading so well, but at other times of leading the nation as a king so poorly. And yet, he looks back and says, Lord, you were with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You see, God's preparation, it shows his love and care. And, and we all would agree that a table is for eating, but a table can also make a statement. Now, we have Thanksgiving coming up soon. And it feels like, man, this year has rushed on by that we're already, I was telling Austin, I'm like, Austin, doesn't even feel like Christmas in Springboro is next week. I feel like that should be a couple months away still. And, and here we are. And we have Thanksgiving here soon. And, and uh, where we will go to um, our, 
our selective home, maybe our own home, maybe you have your children, grandchildren in, maybe you still go to your grandparents' house or you're going to your parents' house and you're gathering somewhere uh, to uh, eat more than what you probably should eat, right? Uh, we'll preach on gluttony next year, not between now and Christmas. And, and, and so to gather, and, and some homes decorate more than others, but I can remember as a kid going to both my grandparents' home and the table would be set. Maybe in your home they get the, the best silverware out or the silverware that looks expensive, but it's plastic. Either way, it looks good. <laughs> but there's a preparation. There's a preparation. And David sees this and says, God, you prepare a table before me not just with my friends and my family, but in the presence of my enemies. Now, we all have probably had someone that was our enemy. David had plenty of them. But could you imagine going to a table for Thanksgiving and across the table is your enemy? Well, some of you are like, I know exactly what that's like, preacher. It happens every Thanksgiving. (laughs) Valid, Valid point. And some of the finest sheep countries in the world, Western United States and even Southern Europe, the high plateau of sheep ranges are always referred to as mesas. And the Spanish word would be for tables. And on that table, on that climb, there is just lushful grass everywhere. Plenty of land for sheep herders to take their sheep and to take them and let them eat on prime grazing land. And so, just like Grandma considers her family to be of great importance and love for her, a shepherd conveys this to his sheep, that they have great value to him because he goes to great lengths to protect his sheep, to get rid of things, to add whatever needs to be added, take away whatever needs to be taken away, so that his sheep can eat and his sheep feel taken care of a shepherd knows that there's two things to get rid of Uh, one there are poisonous weeds that he must go through and look and there's certain weeds and there's certain uh, even weeds that have beautiful little flowers on them and that look pretty to us but would be a detriment to a sheep and so he gets rid of them if there's too many of them he takes them in a different location secondly he will go and he'll look around and he'll make sure that he touches different rocks and different areas, making his scent well known so that wild animals know that he is in the area protecting his sheep. You know, a good shepherd leaves nothing to chance for the welfare of his flock. The question on this table is that as we follow the Lord, He prepares a table before us. Now, what if we're not following the Lord? We're still eating something. The question is, what table are we eating from? Now, at Thanksgiving, I'm always tempted to skip turkey, skip mashed potatoes, and go right to dessert. But my wife and mother will not let me. And you can eat junk spiritually, but how healthy do you expect to be? 
You can eat junk. You can eat poison that can lead to your death. But as the Lord, because he is our shepherd and he cares so much for us, he prepares spiritually meals before us. We get those meals at church, yes. But we should also have those meals during the week of praying, of being in the Word, and thinking on the things of God, even during the week. It'll help keep you focused. It'll help make you realize. But how many of us simply don't eat during the week what God has prepared and set up for us? We're missing, we miss out. We become, we become malnourished because we end up eating on something else rather than what the Lord has offered and has at the table for us. And when you feast at the Lord's table, you're going to find this. You're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find joy. You're going to find peace. You're going to find the good stuff. You're going to find the good stuff. That's interesting that David writes, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What experience did David ever have eating with an enemy? Saul. Jonathan, the son of Saul, was David's best friend. And David was invited to, to help out the king. And there was times in which he sang to the king and to calm his nerves when he dealt with, it says, evil spirits in the Bible. He would play the harp. He would, David was a musician. I mean, he was talented. He wrote songs. I mean, this Psalms 23 is a song. And yet, there was times in which Saul, out of aggravation, threw a spear at David and missed him. Not just once, but twice. I would be done at once. I'd be like, I'm not coming back there. And there was times in which he was hunting for David. He was looking for David. Things got so bad that Jonathan had to let David know that you can't eat, you can't eat at the table anymore. My, my father's going to kill you. So he had experience of eating, knowing that God had promised that he would be the next king, and yet there is a king who wants to kill him. He's done nothing wrong to the king. There's even stories of David. David, where he had opportunities to take the life of King Saul, but he knew that God would not want him to touch the Lord's anointed. So he refrained. Eventually, you know the story that David would become king and God worked all those things out and Saul and unfortunately Jonathan would be killed in battle. But yet David knew that even in the presence of eating with a king who hated him and who wanted to kill him, that he could enjoy the Lord's presence, even in the midst of his enemies. Even in a time which was uncomfortable for him. Even in a time when life was not set up the way that he thought, and I'm sure he wished, that life would be set up for him. You see, enemies are powerless to prevent the enjoyment of God's generosity and his generous hospitality. The choice is up to you. There's a man, a Christian man, you may have seen videos of before. And his name is, his name is um, Nick Vyavich. 
He's an Australian preacher and motivational speaker with a tetraamelia syndrome, which is a rare disorder characterized by missing almost all of your limbs. As a child, he struggled mentally, he struggled emotionally, he wanted to die, as well as physically he struggled, but eventually he came to terms with his disability. At the age of 17, he started his own nonprofit organization. He thought, I'd never be married. I never would have kids. Well, he's married. He has four kids. And he started this, pro, this nonprofit organization, Life Without Limbs. And Nick presents motivational speeches worldwide on life with disability, hope, and finding meaning of life. And that God can use any willing heart to do his work. And that God is big enough to overcome any and all disabilities. I want to show you just a short clip. It's, it's from Oprah. I know you didn't expect to see Oprah this morning. <laughs> but it's so good, it's so powerful that I, I thought, well, we'll let it slide this time, all right? <laughs> so here's the video for you. You got a camera behind me, right? Yeah. I'm going to show you. Come, come, come. <laughs> this step right here, is there enough light here? The chemistry, I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that God didn't give me this pain, but what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Yeah. Okay. And then, the connections. I want to tell uh, Porsche, uh, look, I'm a guy, I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris, okay? <laughs> and, and I want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. Yeah. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. Yeah. For me, in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm going to break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right. I'm going to break my arm. Circumstances, being okay. born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. You asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best and God will do the rest. And consciousness, because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, Wow. I knew that I could be unstoppable. Amazing. 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 Hello, hello, hello. Love you. Love you. Thank 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 you. This video made me think of Psalms 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. 
You comprehend my path and lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light around me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, but you formed my inward parts. You cover me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and then my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, a day's fashioned for me. And when yet there was none of them, how precious also your thoughts of me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred and count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That wherever we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves, whether we ascend to heaven as it says, God, you were there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. And you are precious to the Lord. So precious that he has prepared a table just for you. And all who follow, those who obey can eat from it and experience it even when life is hard, even when life doesn't give you limbs. I think of Nick, and I love his testimony. Here's a guy with no limbs. And he said, I can become bitter or I can become better. I can focus on what I don't have or I can focus in on what I can be thankful for. In this time of year, Thanksgiving, that's really what it's about. Yes, it's wonderful to see family. It's a reminder of how faithful and good God has been to us. And maybe right now you're bitter. Maybe you're bitter towards God. There's some things that he took away and you don't quite understand and no one else probably can answer that for you. But I know that God gives and he takes away. And I know this life is not all there is and there's so much more in which God promises for us as believers. But in this time in which we have and which God has given us, I want you to know you can enjoy his generous hospitality anywhere, in any situation, 
the choice is yours. See, every believer can experience overflow. It says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. To anoint means to be made fat. Raise your hand if you're like, I want to be anointed, I want to be made fat. I'm all for but it's about being made fat spiritually, of having an overflow spiritually of what God does for us. And when we think on his goodness and his grace and what he's done, our cup can overflow. And maybe right now that sounds far off. It may even sound impossible to you. But when we are led by the Spirit and not by the flesh, it tells us this is possible. This overflow comes as a direct result of following the Lord's liberating leadership. I mean, in this passage, he's saying, hey, he leads me, talking about the shepherd. He makes me lie down. He restores my soul. And, and listen, if you're not following the Lord and you're rebelling against him, how can you experience such care? See, they're running over. It's a pasture I I want to experience overflow. I, 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 want to, I want to know what it's like. I want to know what that feels like. I, I want to know and I want to experience that. How, how, how can I live a life where God is controlling my words and my actions and I'm being led by the Spirit? What can I do? I'll say number one is this, is turn your cup right side up. If that sounds simple, it is. Because it means you're available. The best ability in the kingdom of God is availability. God will not make you be available. It is a choice that you make every single day of God, I want to be used by you. I want to be transformed by you. I, I, God, I, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to do what you want me to do. And, and so when you put your cup right side up, you're saying, God, I'm available for you to pour in. I'm humbly submitting myself to you to be used to be a vessel for your glory. We're not that special. Not a one of us. We're like 80% water or something like that. It's water. I don't know what the other 20, 30% is. I'm sure someone has that figured out on a napkin or something, but tell me afterward. Probably Google it real quick. In most restaurants, when you're ready for coffee, some of the nicer restaurants, turn your cup up. Ready for being able to receive the beverage. And as we turn our cup right side up, showing that we're available. There's something else that we're known for. How do you know if your cup is the right side up? Maybe we're like, oh, I've had my cup upside down the entire time. I didn't know this. What should I do? How do I know if I'm, if I'm living the way I should be living? Well, you, you know if you're available or not. But here's another way. And this is kind of telling that, that in Scripture or, or when it comes to shepherds. Now, some shepherds will mark their sheep. 
And in fact, there are some shepherds who will mark all their sheep a certain color of pink. And so as they are driving, they can easily see and make it, it makes it easier for them to count their sheep. They're marked. And there's a mark that every Christian has, according to Scripture. In John 13, love one another as I have loved you. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. That's it. You know, I've always, I love going to church, even as a kid. Love going to church. Uh, before I was a pastor, I, I enjoyed going to church. Now you say, preacher, I enjoy going to church, and I like going to church, but there's these one or two people that I just don't always really, you know, like that much. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to like everybody, but you do have to love everybody. Make sense? Clear as mud? Okay, good. And there's some people you may get along better than with other people. That's normal. That's life, right? But it just, you need to love them. But they get on my nerves. You need to love them. Let me ask you this. It's just a thought. What if instead of complaining about somebody who always gets on your nerves, what if you started praying for them? You know, Sometimes people wonder, why do we need to pray? Why do, I, why do I even need to pray? And this is not a message on prayer, but just something that I feel like I need to, I need to say. Prayer, and a part of prayer is asking God for certain things in life. That is a part of prayer. To some, though, that's all prayer really is. It's not what it is. It's part of it. Prayer is a time to confess sin. Prayer is a time to thank God and to worship God. And there's obviously times to ask God. This is the biggest thing I've, I've seen on prayer. prayer. Prayer doesn't always change your circumstance, but it does change you in your circumstance. And sometimes that's what God is doing. He's changing you and where you're at, so you can enjoy his hospitality even in the presence of your enemies. And it could be that you're at a job that you hate, and you think, I'm the only Christian here, which should be a first clue that maybe God puts you in a difficult situation, and, and because he wants you to be his light in that workplace or in that neighborhood, right? He wants you to be that light, and maybe right now you're a little miserable. What should you do? Pray. And let's see what the Lord does. He may, you may need to get out of that situation. That could be true. It could just be, though, that God wants to change you as you deal with that situation as well. Just a thought. Just a thought. You see, have your cup the right side up. Love one another. You know, at the end of the day, there's only two people who know you're truly saved or not. You and God. That's it. You and God. And And... You know, sometimes people can fool other people, and that happens. I mean, uh, it happens. But the biggest way, and we see this in Scripture, is that you will know them by their, their fruits. And the biggest fruit is that you love 
the brotherhood. You love the church. You don't want to hurt the church. You want to pray for the church. You want to help the church. A church is a group of imperfect people who are saved by God's grace, and we need God's grace every single day, and you're willing to show grace and mercy as well. Here's number two is have your crack cup mended. Some of our cups are not running over because they're cracked. They're cracked either from disobedience and living a life of rebellion. They're cracked because of selfishness or unforgiveness or even abuse. So wait a second. That wasn't my fault. Yeah. Some of our cups are they're broken, and some of us didn't even do it. But rest assured that God can mend that. And he can heal from that. And he can help you in that. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy think that you are so broken because of either something you did or something that was done from you in such an evil way that God doesn't want to use you. It's not true. Let the Lord pick up your broken pieces and mend you and put you together. He'll do a better job than you will anyway. Let him and submit to that and see what God does as he wraps his beauty around your brokenness. And he can mend it. He can mend it. And we see that goodness and mercy are the results of following Christ. And there's what it says, this part of six, I'll get to the rest next week but surely goodness and mercy shall follow me it's almost like david's looking back and going i went through that i went through that i I dealt with that enemy i dealt with that hard situation and god you came through and i look back and i'm so thankful for your goodness and your grace and i see that surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me because i'm following the shepherd and so as you follow the shepherd as you follow him he, he he does this for us and you can see that the goodness and mercy of God, as you look behind you, you go, man, look how faithful and good God has been. His hand has been on it all, even during the difficult times, even the times in which I wanted to give up. And just as what was quoted on the video, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things just work out for the good. That's not what it says. It says it works out for the good of those who love God. Jesus said, um, when asked, how do we know if someone loves God? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And when he saved us, our want to changed. Our want to changed. And David's remembering back and looking back. And he's seeing that God has shown favor on his life. There are others in the Bible who experience God's favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor. Abraham found favor in God's sight because of his faith. Joseph found favor even when he was a slave, even when he was wrongly accused. Ruth, a widow, found favor. Nehemiah, with all the enemies surrounding him as he's rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, found favor with God. Prophet Samuel, Gideon, Daniel, Esther, Mary found favor with God. Paul, Paul found favor. I love what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. It says, for a wide door of effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. God opened a door for him for ministry, 
and to minister to different people, and yet he dealt with a lot of adversity. Christian, don't be surprised that, that you're doing everything right. You're trying to reach, reach people for Jesus. You're trying to live right, do right, and yet you have some difficulty come your way. I mean, Paul had problems. Paul was stoned like two or three different times, and yet you're usually supposed to die after you get stoned. God was like, not done with you, Paul. He was jailed. He was beaten simply for sharing the gospel. God's like, not done with you yet, Paul. Your last breath will be taken when I say so. And God showed him favor. In Luke 2, chapter 15, uh, Chapter 2, verse 52, Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And I want to be like Jesus. I want to grow in favor with God and men. And if we were to ask, if I were to ask, like, how many of us want God's favor? I'm sure we all would raise our hands. God, I want your favor. You see, what is God's favor? The favor of God is a guarantee of his presence and provision to accomplish his will through your life. Sometimes people get it a little confused, though. They think, well, I want God's favor, but what they really mean is they want favors from God. Or they make a deal with God. Of God, you kind of hook me up, God. Do me a favor, and I'll pay you back later. That's not how God's favor works. God's favor is that he is good to you just for the fact that he wants to be good to you because you're his child. That's it. That's it. He wants to be good for you. And this favor in which he shows, make no mistake, it isn't just to give you something just to give you something God wants to be good for you he wants to show you favor but the favor in what she shows you is not for your convenience he gives us favor to fulfill his purpose or purposes in our lives And so all the resources, all the blessings in which he gives us, the table in which he lies out before us, in the presence of our enemies, he gives it to us because he wants to do something wonderful with us to further the kingdom of God. And when you look back on the lives of Noah, Abraham, David, Nehemiah, Paul, Mary, you will find that as they experienced God's favor, it was not always convenient for them at all. But it was worth it. And our Savior and our Lord Since he has saved us, meaning that he is our savior means that he's the boss, that he's in control. And there's some things in which he has made very clear in his word 
I want you to do. And since he's the one in control, we follow because we know at the end of the day, it's for our own good. We know that our shepherd isn't just a shepherd, but he's my shepherd. And every one of his children, every one of them, can drink from the overflow. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we reflect here this morning. Maybe you're here and you just need prayer this morning. Some things you're dealing with, maybe it's some heartache, maybe it's some trouble. Pastor Lucas, just pray for me. Just raise your hand, show it to God. I just want to pray for you. We'll pray for you. Amen. Maybe you're here and you desire to know more how to be a Christian. How you can follow Jesus. It's as simple as repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Anyone who asks, anyone who prays and asks, he will save and he will change. I'd love to talk to you after the service, or if you want to message me, I'd love to talk with you. Maybe you need to be baptized. Please talk with me. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that regardless of where we're at and what path we're walking right now, that as your children, you're leading us. You're helping us. You're guiding us. And you know that we are, man, Lord, you know our faults. You know our mess-ups. You know our hang-ups. But you're patient and you're long-suffering. You don't just easily cast us aside. Like a loving father, a loving shepherd. You steer us and guide us with your spirit. We love you. And we praise you. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.